Welcome to the Reunion Belleville podcast, a place where everyday people apprentice to Jesus. We're glad you pulled up a seat and we hope that today's lead-in encourages you to take your next step. All right, we are in week four of this discussion on our Anabaptist understanding of the third way of Jesus and how that impacts who we are as a church. And so far, we've said that we are apprentices of Jesus who grow in our relationship with God, each other, and our city by being formed by the teachings of Jesus and living our lives by practicing the way of Jesus. So we gather around a table because we were created for and called into relationship. There is room for difference in our unity to Christ. So if you want to know what Jesus thinks about you, look at this table. If you want to know what Jesus thinks about the person across from you, look at this table. If you want to even know what Jesus thinks about the people you dislike, the people you might hate or might even hate you, look at this table. For this is Christ's body broken for everyone. This is Christ's blood poured out for everyone, for you, for them, the other, even your enemy. Yes, if you want to know what God thinks about your enemy, look at this table. And as apprentices, we're learning to rely less on what we think about ourselves and others to trust what Jesus says about one another. And this table says Jesus loves you to his death. In fact, Paul says this in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 19 and following. For God was in Christ reconciling. And that word just means to restore or to make a relationship right again. So, for God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. Did you know that? God doesn't hold your sin against you. God doesn't have a list you need to see, a bill you have to pay. If there was an account, you'd be in the black because God doesn't hold your sin against you. And it goes on to say this, for he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come on back to God. Come on back to God because God does not hold his sin, your sin against you. So Paul is inviting us to be reconciled to God, but he's also saying that when we are reconciled to God, we become reconcilers for God. So here at Reunion, we take this invitation seriously. We are peacemakers. We have a culture of reconciliation. We pursue Jesus' way of peace and serve as agents of reconciliation in all things. So here at Reunion, we make peace and we restore relationships. But what does that mean? You see, peace is an interesting word. For most people in our North American culture, peace just simply means the absence of conflict or fighting. And that absence of violence is an important aspect of peace, but it certainly doesn't capture the whole picture. The word peace in the Old Testament is the word shalom. And shalom, or the peace that Jesus grew up learning about, the peace that Jesus grew up, or, or sorry, lived teaching, and the peace that Jesus lived by example, is not just the absence of conflict, but the restoration of a relationship that allows, even in the midst of difference, previous opponents to work for one another's benefit. For example, in the Old Testament, when two rival kings would finally establish peace, it wouldn't just mean they'd stop fighting, but they would begin to rule their kingdoms in such a way that it would bring about a positive impact on the other nation. These kings would actually begin to rule with the benefit of the other kingdom in mind. A relationship that was broken was put back together, not for the sake of stopping war, but for the sake of helping one another prosper. Imagine for a moment the conflict in your life, not just ending, but the other rival person coming to an agreement where you'd be put back together for one another's benefit. 
Imagine a world where violence was replaced by codependent benefit. Imagine a world at peace. One more example. Because peace wasn't just set aside for people, but things as well. And so the Old Testament talks about shalom being given to a wall, or sorry, a wall was at peace. You see, a wall could be at peace when it would be fully restored or have the stones or cracks in those bricks or stones replaced or mended. Imagine it like something or even someone fully being able to work as they were intended to. Imagine purpose being fulfilled, distractions or impediments being removed so that purpose might flourish. This is peace. Imagine a world at peace. This is the image of peace we are called to pursue. We are peacemakers, so this is the world we are intended to create alongside Jesus because we are peacemakers. We are people who seek not the benefit of our own agenda, but to enter into meaningful relationship in order that we might live in such a way that it leads to the benefit of others. We're invited to live our lives in an engaged way so that things that were once broken, relationships that were once destroyed, systems that are cracked or faulty can be put back together. Peace puts things back together. See, peace puts us back together in hopes that we won't just stop fighting, but in order that we might work together for each other's benefit. Imagine a world like that. Imagine a world where we've stored relationships, put people and things back together for everyone's benefit. That is the kingdom of heaven here and now. The kingdom that we've been invited to help usher in, to help create, which leads to an important question. How do we do that? And so here at Reunion, we talk about following the teachings of Jesus, but also in practicing the way of Jesus. And so this morning, we're going to look at the way of Jesus and how he created peace and invites us to do the same. So we have Paul writes this letter in called Philippians, and it's written to a church in Philippi. Now, Philippi was a retirement destination for Roman soldiers and the patriotic elite. But Paul arrives and he shares this declaration that Christ has set up a new kingdom, this alternative way to life. And people, man, they get excited. People join the movement. People said, yes, I want to be an apprentice of Jesus. But years later, by the time this letter is written, Paul's moved on, but things are becoming difficult in this, in this new church. And so Paul writes them this letter for, from his own personal prison cell to encourage them. And this is what he says in Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 and following. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Therefore, God elevated him to a place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Whew, there is a lot there that we cannot get into today, but I do want to just take a second and touch on, on three things that I really believe that Jesus is illustrating here and how we as a church 
and as a community, as apprentices of Jesus, can practice in order to become peacemakers alongside Jesus. And the first one is Jesus did not think of his equality with God as something to cling to. This message would have been of incredible importance to these ex-soldiers, these patriotic elite who were struggling in their new faith to disassociate who they were becoming from the privileges of who they were before. You see, as Roman soldiers and ex-leaders, they were a big deal. They, were, they had huge privilege. But now, they were pledging allegiance to a new Lord, therefore renouncing Rome. To say Jesus is Lord was to declare Caesar was not. And this was no small announcement. This was treason. This was rebellion. And this was coming from some of the most powerful and influential leaders Rome had had. So all that power, all that influence, all that privilege these people had, poof, they were now, it was now being replaced by persecution, jail, and sometimes worse. And this was an incredibly hard shift for these people of privilege, and it was leading to infighting and struggling in their community of faith. As the outside world became chaos towards them, they took control or tried to hold on to control the best they could by controlling one another within the church. They were all used to getting what they wanted and when they wanted it. And well, it's, it's hard to do that when you're in community. Have you ever been there? I can't speak about your life, but my own struggles of conflict are often deeply rooted in my own understanding of my privilege, what I think I deserve. How many times do I get into fights over what I want or how I want it? After all, don't I deserve life to be a certain way? Because I work pretty hard. I do this and I don't do that. And when it doesn't happen, if I don't get my way, I get my back up because I like me and I like my ideas. I like my privilege. Am I the only one? But Paul here is reminding us that Christ's life shows us that peace cannot be established on the privilege of some, but must be built on the benefit for all. Peace cannot be established on the privilege of some, but must be built for the benefit of all. Christ shows us that he was willing, even as God, to set aside his divine privilege. He was willing to open his hands. And God, he could have demanded anything. I mean, he's God, but instead sought peace and reconciliation that was formed not for the privilege of some, but for the benefit of all. So what would it look like in moments of conflict to open our hands, to set aside the things we think we deserve in order to find balance to what others might need? What would it look like to set ourselves aside for a moment for someone else? It sounds a little crazy, doesn't it? Because it almost sounds like we're being servants. Exactly. And this is what Jesus became. It says Jesus took the humble position of a slave or servant. Imagine saying this to a group of powerful elite Roman soldiers and leaders who had spent their lives giving orders, being served, and being given everything they wanted. Imagine the flip the switch moment when they are letting go of their privilege in order to serve the other. This is the switch that is constantly switched still for us all these years later. Time might change, but Jesus' call to sacrificial love does not. In Christ, we are transformed from people who make demands because of our privilege to people who serve in love. Yes, we are called to serve others who love us, hate us, persecute us, and even assault us. And this is the pathway to peace. The pathway to peace is the heart of service to others where we let go of our privilege and seek the benefit of others. Yes, even our enemy. Imagine a world where privilege didn't determine what was right, but the needs of others determined our truth. Imagine for a moment if I could just set aside my agenda, my, my wants, my assumed needs, and looked at you and asked, how can I help you prosper? 
What does it mean for you to benefit and how do I help you get there? Imagine a world where we defended ourselves less and offered ourselves more. Imagine a world where we pushed less towards our own prosperity and pulled others towards their own. Imagine that world. You see, privilege says, I demand. Jesus says, I serve. Peace puts things back together and that process of reconciliation cannot be defined by the privilege of some, but is built for the benefit of all. Which brings us to this very last important piece. Paul says that Jesus humbled himself in obedience to God. Humility is rooted in this deep understanding of two things. First, I cannot do it alone. In the second, I was never expected to do it alone. This is Christian humility. You see, Jesus obeyed God's call to serve because he knew apart from God, obeying God is impossible. Now you can do plenty without God, but let's be clear, you cannot obey God without God. Why? Because God doesn't invite us into small, insignificant things. You are invited to be reconcilers of God. You are invited to build God's kingdom now. So with humility, we confess, I can't do this on my own. But in celebration, we say, we were never intended to. We cannot give up our privilege without God who's willing to help us give it up. We cannot serve others, let alone our enemies, with a God, without a God who's willing to help. You are not created to live like God apart from God. And here's my bottom line this morning. This is incredibly good news. God doesn't call you to do what God's not willing to help you accomplish. God's, God doesn't call you to do what God's not willing to help you accomplish. You are not called to do this on your own. You are not called to do this by yourself. God does not call you to do what God's not willing to help you accomplish. So in moments of conflict, it's not about trying to suck it up and, and make it work and, and bite your lip and push forward. It's a confession that I can't do this on my own, but thank God I don't have to. Thank God in our moments of conflict, we're not there by ourselves, that Jesus and the Holy Spirit are empowering us in that moment to be peacemakers, that we can put things back together, not on our own strength, but in the presence of God who is with us. God doesn't call you to do what God's not willing to help you accomplish. And so you are a peacemaker because God said so. You are a reconciler because God says so. Now I know it might seem crazy and I know it might seem untrue, but here's the good news. We are learning to depend less on what we think about ourselves and more on what Christ says about you. And this is what God says about you. This is your God-given identity that we are learning to embrace as we understand that God is with us. God doesn't call you to do what God's not willing to help you accomplish. You are a peacemaker. You are a reconciler of God. So when we get into our breakouts in just a few seconds, and as we begin to discuss the implications of this, this God-given identity as an individual and as a church, I want you to invite the Holy Spirit with me right now just to take a little walk around your life, just to, to peer in and say, is there anything in conflict? Is there any relationships I have that are in conflict? Is there any system in my life that is in conflict? Is there anything that could really be put back together? As you see that thing in your mind's eye this morning, I want you to remember you are not alone. You are not alone. God is not inviting you to put this back together by yourself, that he, that God is right there with you. God doesn't call you to do what God's not help. God's not calling you to do what God's not willing to help you accomplish. And so the Holy Spirit is right there with you. 
Every single morning we say this, God is here, his spirit is with us. Everywhere we go, God's spirit is with us. Every step we take, God's spirit is with us. God is here, his spirit is with us. Even in the midst of this conflict that we recognize in our relationships, in our own hearts or minds, in the systems that we take part in, God is right there in the midst of it. And so see that conflict and and begin to envision what it would look like to, to disappear or to be put back together and know that God is right there with you, hoping to help you accomplish that beautiful image of the kingdom in your life and through your life. Holy Spirit, as we take a few moments to reflect on our lives, we confess that you're here. We have acknowledged that you are here. And so as we close our eyes and we take a quick look at our lives, is there any conflict Is there anything out of place? Is there anything that's broken or without purpose? Holy Spirit, you're right beside us. Holy Spirit, we ask that you you fulfill your promise that apart from you, we can do nothing. And so thank you for being with us as we recognize this conflict and as you have invited us to participate in your reconciliation, your peace work. Come Holy Spirit, make peace with us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this lead-in. We hope this teaching equips and empowers you as an apprentice of Jesus. And importantly, we hope this teaching helps you take a step of faithful action this week. We are Reunion Belleville, a crew of people who are learning to be with Jesus, become like Jesus in order that we might together live like Jesus in this life of apprenticeship is good news. And so we would invite you to come and hang out with us on a Sunday morning or on a Thursday evening. Please, let's commit to one another in this lifelong journey we call apprenticeship. We love you. And again, we hope this has been helpful. We look forward to hopefully seeing you soon. Thank you for listening to today's lead-in. We pray that you were able to learn something about Jesus today, but equally important, we pray that you sense a step you might take in response. What would it look like for you to live with Jesus today in light of our discussion? You can learn more about our community at www.reunionbelleville.com, and we're always here to walk with you.